of seconds out, delighted to be joined by the legendary Bob Aram, Hall of Fame promoter, of course. And Bob, there's some huge news announced earlier today, and we're going to go into that. But first of all, I wanted to ask you, we had a great show last night, uh, Boxing's Back in the US, which we've all been waiting for, you more than anyone. Is that the first time in your long and distinguished career you've attended a boxing show with no fans present? It is. It is. I haven't. Uh, uh, that's a new experience. It's the new normal because that's what it's going to be for the next three months. Uh, it wasn't bad. It was sort of interesting. And the television people were very innovative how they covered it. Uh, the interviews, we, we used to interviews where some guy gets in a ring and shoves a microphone in a fighter's face. Uh, and now the, we, you take the fighter out of the ring and he, it, his gloves have been removed and the announcer stands six feet from him, questions him. The fighter is more relaxed. The interviews were much, much better than we were used to over the years. So a lot of good is going to come out of this, uh, at least of how events get televised. Uh, for example, uh, we had uh, the ring card girls, the knockouts, uh, couldn't get in the, go in the ring, nor could the announcer. So we had a special platform where they, uh, uh, they, the girls held up the ring card and the announcer, and that worked well. I don't say once we get back to normal, we do that, but that worked well. But what really worked well is the judges, instead of sitting at the ringside, which I always felt was bad because they don't get a good view of the action. They're looking up. And that's why I think older judges are not as good because they can't move their neck around quick enough. You know, I'm an old guy, so, you know, you, you, the, it takes time to get the creeks out. So the, the judges were eight feet back from the ring on the same stools, and they all said, my God, we saw the fight a lot better because we saw it at eyeball level. Rather than looking up uh, where we see the legs, essentially, of the fighters. Uh, who knows? We may have discovered something that's going to lead to better judging. We saw um, a great performance from Shakur Stevenson. Obviously, he was expected to win the fight, but really entertaining performance from him. Do you see him staying now at 130 pounds? And what do you make of the comparisons that we've seen building up to this fight with Floyd Mayweather? That seems to be a relatively new thing. Well, I think that, you know, as the company that promoted uh, Floyd for over 10 years, uh, we saw the progress that he made and the ability that he had. Uh, and now having uh, done uh, a Shakur for 13, 14 fights, uh, we see a guy defensively on the same level as Floyd, but maybe going to be better offensively. And uh, uh, I think uh, 
uh, Shakur being a southpaw, gives him an advantage over Floyd because most fighters are used to fighting orthodox fighters. And when they get in with a southpaw, they're a little flummoxed. And you get him in with a southpaw who really is a master defense uh, specialist, it becomes very difficult. So I'm very high on Shakur. I really believe he's going to be a real big superstar in boxing and indeed uh, may ultimately be the face of boxing. And do you see him staying at 130 now after last night's performance? These young people, uh, they grow. You know, (laughs) some people stop growing when they're 17 or 18. Some people stop growing earlier. Other people grow into their 20s. Now, looks to me like Stevenson is still in his growth stage. And that means uh, that it probably, as the months go by, be more difficult for him to get down to 126. But I think that if the Warrington fight was available, and the reason it is it's not available now is not due to Warrington or to Eddie Hearn, uh, they would want to do that fight. Uh, but obviously, it's the coronavirus. So let's see how we progress there. And obviously, if the Warrington fight can't happen in the latter part of this year, uh, Floyd uh, Shakur is not going to uh, wait around for that fight to happen uh, and probably will campaign uh, in the 130-pound division. Now, on to the big development of the day, and I'm sure most people watching this would already be aware of it unless they've been living under a rock uh, for the last few hours, and that's that an agreement in principle has been reached between uh, heavyweight champions Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua for a two-fight package, if you like, in 2021. Still a lot of details to be ironed out by the sounds of it, but just tell us how this big step forward in negotiations has been made. This is bizarre because in discussing uh, a potential Fury uh, fight with Joshua, four to six weeks ago, we arrived at this formula that the fight would be 50-50 and then the next fight 60-40, depending on who won the fight. So for me, this was old news. Now, nothing else is decided. And there are a lot of issues, television and so forth, that I am sure in the course of time will be decided. There's only two little problems. One problem is my guy, Fury, still has a match against Wilder, and Wilder is not a pushover. You know, remember how dangerous everybody thought Wilder was going to be for Fury going into the last fight? Well, I think Wilder, you're going to see a different Wilder for this third match between these two guys. Uh, and then as far as Joshua is concerned, I truly believe that my guy Pulev, and I co-promote Pulev, is going to knock Joshua on his ass. And therefore, that'll be the end of any talk of a Fury-Joshua fight. I really believe that. So, again... 
One, there was no news made today. Two, uh, I don't think uh, uh, Fury and Joshua is going to happen. Certainly not next year. Now, that shouldn't be a headline because the reason I don't think it's going to happen is my guy Pulev is going to beat the crap out of Joshua when they fight uh, later this year. If this was all agreed in principle four to six weeks ago, as you've said, no news was made today. Why do you think the statement was only put out today rather than a month ago? Because Eddie Hearn was looking to get some press. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise none of us thought it newsworthy to make a statement. Obviously, these guys want to fight each other. Obviously, there's going to be no impediment, everything being equal when they were going to fight. This is not a news story. Well, how else would you do a fight other than 50-50? Forget about which television network is going to do it. There is no news. This is obvious. And if you're going to do a rematch and everybody agreed six weeks ago that if they fight once and you build it up, why not do the rematch? How are you going to do it? Everybody said 60% to the winner, 40% to the loser of the first fight, which is what we did with Wilder and Fury going into the third fight. It's not news, man. It's not news. Have you had any thoughts? Obviously, you said these are things that will be worked out down the line, but about how the broadcast situation will resolve itself? Because we know Joshua, while he's not tied to the zone, has a first and last option with them. And obviously, your guy, Fury, is exclusive to ESPN. Nobody is really... Uh, contemplating all that stuff, whether it should be Sky or BT doing the pay-per-view in the UK, whether, well, it's got to be ESPN doing the pay-per-view in, uh, in, um, in uh, the United States. Will the zone do pay-per-view? Who knows? They could. Could be like, uh, a um, uh, arrangement like ESPN and Fox had in the last event. I mean, that's anything's possible. But again, I'm not getting into the weeds and negotiating that now because it ain't going to happen. Because, believe me, Pulev is knocking Joshua out. And then I'll negotiate with myself. I'll represent Pulev. <laughs> I'll represent Fury's side, and I'll go to bed one night and come to a solution. The progress that has been made thus far between the two heavyweight champions, how much credit for that do you give to MTK Global and also to Daniel Kinahan as an advisor? Well, Dan is a great source of uh, putting everything in perspective and talking reason uh, to uh the promoters keeping the peace with Eddie and Frank, which is not easy. Uh, so he's been a very calming, good influence. You know, he's acts as the advisor to top rank uh, and uh, the advisor uh, to uh, Tyson Fury. That's his role. And uh, he's uh, done us a lot of good uh, articulating our position uh, to both Eddie and to Frank. So, again, I, I'm in a, a unique position. 
because uh, I really, on a personal basis, like Frank, I've been dealing with him for years, and I also like Eddie, uh, and of course, uh, Barry, Eddie's father, uh, and I did a lot of fights together uh, a few de couple of decades ago. So again, uh, whenever things seem to get out of line uh, with Frank and Eddie, which happens quite often, uh, there's Dan to come in and make peace. And also, I think myself, I think Eddie and Frank both respect me as well. I read a, a report in an Irish outlet uh, earlier today where they'd spoken to you briefly about Dan and about some of the things in his past. And you were quoted as saying you can disregard that because all you care about really is the present and his role in this negotiation. Is that fair to say? Well, I didn't know it, it's not fair. What I said was that there are allegations, I, you know, I'm not naive about Daniel and his past. And in my whole history of being in boxing, I've dealt with people who not only have had allegations of past misconduct, but also served time. Like when I was associated with Ali and dealt with uh, some members of the Nation of Islam. But that is, as, a, as, a, uh, as somebody who is not naive, somebody who is an ex-prosecutor, I realized that dealing with them, with a person who has a background that might be questionable, as long as I understand that dealing in this area of sport, they're honorable, they're smart, and they're not doing anything that's in any way devious or wrong, why wouldn't I deal with them? Why wouldn't I deal with somebody who maybe and has never been charged, somebody who may be accused of wrongdoing in the past that has absolutely nothing to do with what they're doing with me. I judge a person like that, and I believe I'm a pretty good judge of character on who they are and what they are and how they deal, and I really will say without any question that I find Dan Kenahan to be a smart, able, and most important, an honest man. And you've said several times just throughout this interview that you have a fervent belief that Kubrat Pulev is going to upset the odds and get rid of Anthony Joshua, basically. What gives you that belief? Why is it that you feel he's got that kryptonite for Joshua? Well, I believe I am capable of making that determination because I promoted virtually every one of Andy Ruiz's fights prior to his fighting uh, Joshua. And if Andy Ruiz can destroy and knock out Joshua, Joshua is not what he's touted to be. In the second fight, that hasn't changed my mind because Andy came in obscenely overweight and not prepared. So Joshua staying away from him and beating him means nothing. I don't think Joshua is the fighter 
that he's cracked up to be. And if Andy Ruiz could destroy a Joshua, Pulev will have a lot easier time destroying Joshua than Ruiz did. And that's what I base my opinion on. And I would really believe that Pulev not only has a big chance with Joshua, but that Pulev will beat and knock out Joshua. And if that does happen, would you like to see Fury go straight after Wilder, of course, go straight into a unification with Pulev or perhaps defend the WBC belt against Dillian White? Well, nothing would please me more than for uh, uh, Pulev and uh, Fury to do a unification. I think the heavyweight title championship should be unified. And then I would have absolutely no problem with providing that the winner of that fight uh, fight uh, Dylan White if Dylan White is still undefeated because Dylan White is a class heavyweight. And uh, I think the first goal should be unify the title and then get rid of the guys who are the mandatories, a lot of good mandatories out there. Is Dylan White. I think that the BO has uh, Alexander Usyk, who not only is a terrific fighter, but a great person. I know, you know, he's a personal friend of mine. Alexander is. He's like a brother to uh, Vasily Lomachenko. Uh, so, again, everybody got to be, you know, sort of the, the coronavirus has calmed everybody down. And everybody got to start cooperating with each other and finding a solution to getting these fights done. But I understand Dylan White's fr frustration, and I would believe uh, that uh, uh, we can deal with that uh, if we're all being uh, reasonable and sensible. What is the latest on Fury's third fight with Wilder? We were hearing these rumors of perhaps Australia at Christmas, that, that's not going to happen, is it? No, I don't know what's going to happen. I know that in looking at the calendar and judging when things are going to be up and running, that both sides, the Fury side and the Wilder side, we first looked at November, 1st October, and that became not feasible. And then we looked at November and... November is not good because there's such hunger for college football, which is on Saturday. It's not. Now, after the college football season, uh, we're looking at maybe the week before Christmas to do that fight. And it would be one of three places. It would be in the United States if we could get it done uh, with a, a sizable number of spectators. Sure. Maybe you don't do 100%, maybe you do 80%, but that requires government action. And they, here in Nevada, where I'd love to do it, uh, we have a great governor, great athletic commission, and they're working through all these issues, and that's why we'd be able 
to schedule all these uh, fight events without spectators. So they really worked very hard. And so that's a, a, a real possibility. Second one is Macau. Why? Because Macau, we have a history with the Pacquiao fights of doing fights from Macau on a Sunday morning. So it's prime time Saturday night back in the United States. And it's the usual crazy time in the UK. So uh, with Macau, we have the backing from the uh, casino properties. The question is, uh, will the border clearances uh, be available uh, in December? And uh, will uh, the government allow us to do an event with a full stadium, which they're considering now. They're very astute, uh, you know, and they, they answer to the government in Beijing, but they're the local authorities, and uh, that's a real possibility. The third is Australia. Now, Australia, we believe, or New Zealand, we believe will be up and running for their football with full, full, full audiences. Yeah. We believe that. The question then is, can you do a fight there? Because there's a 14-day quarantine. So you imagine telling the fighters, hey, we're going to do it in uh, Australia, New Zealand. You come over here for 14 days, you lay in your hotel room, right? And then you can train and so forth. That's not going to work. Those, you know, that's what we're working through. It's, you, you can't answer questions on a boxing level without taking into account this coronavirus situation. So that's where we are. But I really believe that one way or another, we'll get this fight done uh, sometime in December. Before I let you go, if you wouldn't mind, could you please just give us a quick update on uh, Lomachenko against Lopez and also on Terence Crawford and whether we'll see him this year? Well, what we're doing, we're hoping, again, we're in phase one now. Fights, no spectators, right? Can't afford to do a Lomachenko-Lopez fight in this phase one. Or a Crawford fight against the top content. Can't, or certainly a Manny Pacquiao, in, in this, this period. Now we go to phase two. And in phase two, we'll be able to do fights with a limited audience and... There are ways you can do it. In other words, for example, you, you have a building that seats 10,000 people, an arena like Mandalay Bay in, in Las Vegas. <clears throat> you open it up for 2,000 people with seating all. You serve them food so they're not going to the concessions. You give them free drinks because you have a limited number of tickets. You raise the prices. And you'll get 2,000 people to come in. Eddie, if he does a Pulev fight with Joshua in Royal Albert Hall, can do it for 1,000, 1,500 people at the same way. And that's where we'll get fights like Lomachenko Lopez done, maybe a, a Crawford uh, fight. Those are, or, you know, a lot of fights we can get done. Uh, 
Ramirez Joshua Josh Taylor fight fights like that. But for the big, big, big fights, you have to have virtually full stadium and arena, and that will come earliest the end of this year and into next year. Well, Bob, I could spend hours talking to you. You probably couldn't spend hours talking to me, but I know you've got a meeting coming up in about five minutes' time, so I'm going to let you crack on. But best of luck with the show tomorrow. Hopefully it's as good, if not better, than last night's one. And hopefully we'll catch up again in the next couple of weeks. Good, thank you. They'll all be better. (laughs) The problem we had, we had the guys who were like the A side, they were in training, that's why they're so good. And then you had to look around the country for the B-side guys who were in training during the the coronavirus uh, uh, lockdown. A lot of them didn't have gyms to go to. So to find the opponents, not to find the top guys, the opponents was the hardest. As this is opening up now, it'll ease up and the fights will be more competitive and they'll be better than they were on the first crack out of the box. Well, we look forward to that and uh, look forward to seeing you again, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Okay, good talking to you. Thanks, Bob. Take care.